You're listening to the Advanced Leadership Podcast from the South Carolina Baptist Convention. Now, here's your host, Lee Clamp. Well, welcome to another edition of the Advanced Leadership Podcast. I'm excited about our guest today, Joel Ainsworth from the Metroplex of Cane Bay near Charleston, <laughs> South Carolina. Joel, thanks for being with us today. Hey, I am absolutely thrilled to be here, Lee Clamp. Now, Joel, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I want to hear about your family. I want to hear about your roots, Joel. Where are you from? Let's talk about Joel Ainsworth a little bit. Sounds good. So I grew up in the deep south of uh, Mississippi, right outside of Jackson, and um, spent the first 23 years of my life there. Um, graduated from Mississippi College and then married my incredible wife, Emily. Uh, we've been married for 18 years. Um, we have two daughters that we adopted out of foster care. Um, so that's been a huge part of our life and our story. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the really important stuff. Awesome. Mississippi. How in the world do you find Charleston, South Carolina from Mississippi? Uh, believe it or not, I mean, everybody in the world wants to come to Charleston. So that's just how it works. I don't know. <laughs> just all roads lead to Charleston. I can't even spell your state. <laughs> yeah, we have a song that we learn as children that uh, kind of helps us learn how to do that. So. Of course you do, because you learn to read in like junior year of high school, right? In Mississippi, is that how it works? Oh, uh, yeah. don't let people give you a hard time. It's a good joke. I appreciate that. Listen, Mississippi is a beautiful place. Beautiful place. All right. So um, what were you into, man? Like, give us one thing, like one thing we can remember Joel Ainsworth and maybe even something that people that know you, Joel, uh, might not know about you. Yeah. So I, um, I've always been into music. It was a big part of my family growing up. My dad was, was really into uh, Elvis and Johnny Cash and stuff like that. And so I just got really, really uh, engaged in music and wanted to start my own band when I got in high school. Um, and so I did. I started a band and uh, we played together for eight years and traveled and put out some records. And it was a it was a blast. We had a really good time. Now, now what kind of band was that? <laughs> um, most people would probably consider it to be an emo band. Emo, yes. like the like the animal. <laughs> That's an emu. Oh, see, I'm not from Mississippi. <laughs> so uh, emo is short for emotional. And so um, in the early days of the, uh, the emo movement, many of, many of the bands were, were Christian bands. And it was this kind of uh, them just giving all their emotions to the Lord and saying, God, here it is, all the messiness and everything. And so uh, that's kind of what we were trying to do, just... Uh, kind of be kind of a worshipful deal, but in an, uh, an emotional way. So, I mean, you're in an, you are in an emotional rock band. I mean, were you stro <laughs> stroking a mullet? I mean, what, 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 I mean, were you like this alternative dude? Like, tell me, I mean, what was your dress, man? That's what I'm most concerned about. Yeah. I, I was pretty straight laced. Our band really was, I mean, we were traveling with um, punk rock bands and hardcore bands and all this kind of stuff. And those guys were decked out the tattoos and ear stuff and all this kind of stuff. But 
it was kind of our stick, just that we were like uh, pretty straight laced. And we felt like that made us the rebels of the world that we were in because we, we weren't giving into all that stuff. We were just going to be pretty normal. I love it. Like you were the Beatles of the emo community. <laughs> hey, exactly. listen, what, what did you play? Uh, guitar. And Sam. Yeah. Nice. Impressive. Impressive. All right. So let's get, let's get down to work. Let's get down to business. So tell us a little bit of a uh, little bit about where you serve now and a little bit, uh, just a quick brief history. Um, you're down in church of Cane Bay and uh, just let me know, let us, let the listeners know exactly kind of the context there. Yeah. So Cane Bay is a community that's kind of outside Somerville, South Carolina, which is outside of Charleston. Um, so we're kind of out on the edge of the Charleston metro area, but it's a really uh, fast growing community. Uh, it's been, been booming for years now. Um, we planted Church of Cane Bay um, uh, about 10 and a half years ago. And so when we did that, it was um, the community of Cane Bay. We had two schools. We had a, a high school and an elementary school. And there were probably a couple of hundred houses uh, in two neighborhoods. And today there's like 18 neighborhoods, over 18,000 people. Cane Bay is the seventh fastest growing neighborhood in America, which is just insane. Um, and so wow. we, can't, we can't keep up with the growth, can't keep up with everything that's happening, but uh, it's a cool place to be. And we thought when we were starting this church that... Um, we were planning a church in the South and we quickly learned that all the people that were moving to Cane Bay were moving into the Charleston area for the first time. And they were moving into the Charleston area from places up North, Northwest, Northeast, um, New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio. Um, and I would say like today, probably 75% of the people who live uh, in our community are not from the South. And so it's been kind of an interesting thing. I felt used to feel like for a long time that the Lord um, wanted me to be a part of planning a church in the Northeast. Um, and God kind of brought the Northeast to us here, which is really, it's been an interesting thing. Wow. That's incredible. Uh, you know, I, I remember a little shout out to your planter, uh, buddy, Charlie Swain, who now works on our staff trying to launch, um, students, uh, to the mission field as our next, as our next gen missions, mobilization strategist. He's a good um, dude. But, you know, I, we were riding around and all those, all those, it, they're now neighborhoods. It was all yeah. woods, all trees. And uh, he just said, he, he just said, um, the reason that I want to plant here is uh, because there's going to be a lot of lost people here. Mm. And, uh, and I remember looking at those trees thinking, bro, all I see is woods. And, um, <laughs> you know, to have a vision to say, no, nah, this is that people are going to come here. And, um, and, and everything, you know, projected that that was what was going to happen. And now we see it and, um, and being prepared for that is incredible. And one of the ways you guys prepared for that, um, uh, is, is through missional communities. And so, um, you know, our, your, your new pastor, Will, a little shout out to him. Um, you know, he carried on that, that vision, but the, really the glue, honestly, Joel, you've been there since the beginning serving in this role of, um, uh, of trying to stir up these missional communities. And so uh, that may be a new concept for, uh, for people that are listening. So kind of break down for us, what is a missional community? And then maybe some things that you're seeing birth out of that. 
Yeah, that's good. So when we were getting started, we were getting off the ground and looking at the community, uh, we felt like God gave us a pretty clear mission and vision that, and it's this, that every man, woman, and child in a five-mile circle from where we were would have multiple opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus. And so we really bought into this idea of taking responsibility for our community, taking responsibility for our neighborhood, and wanting to see every person inside of that neighborhood um, be able to experience the gospel and have a choice uh, whether they wanted to respond to it or not. Um, But we kind of had to ask ourselves a question, well, how are we going to do that? Um, Because I feel like a lot of organizations put a mission statement up on the wall and it just kind of hangs there. Um, But we wanted it to be something that we were taking seriously. And so we spent a lot of time thinking and praying about what that would look like and how we would tackle that. And ultimately, um, just through reading a lot of different things, we came across this idea of missional communities. Um, And so really what missional communities kind of are in a really basic level, I mean, they kind of define themselves. They're groups that are focused on mission and community. So they're communities of people who are on mission together. And um, for us at the time when we were looking and seeing the growth that was coming and everything that was happening and um, we're reflecting on Jesus's words from Matthew 9, um, saying the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. It says, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Um, we just began to pray. We began to pray um, for these groups and pray that God would provide opportunities and that God would bring more laborers to be a part of them so that people could experience um, Jesus. And so for us, um, they're kind of the most important thing that we do as a church. Uh, we kind of kept our church centered around what happens in, in our missional communities, really because the gospel is at the heart of them, not only in how we grow together in community, but how we go together um, out to our community um, to let them experience the gospel. And so they, they look really similar to what a lot of small groups look like in churches. I mean, we meet in homes throughout the week and eat dinner together. We study scripture together the things that normal small groups would be doing. But the big difference is that every single one of our groups has a dedicated mission, um, something that they are focused on as, as a group. And their their group is actually named after that thing. It's the defining thing about that group. And uh, their whole goal is to give every man, woman, and child that they are serving on mission through that mission, multiple opportunities to see here in response to the gospel. And so Um, And we so we have groups that do that in a lot of different ways. Uh, We have uh, several groups that are serving in local schools uh, in our community. We have a group that's focused on foster care because we have lots of families who are engaged in foster care in our community. Uh, We have a group that's going after marriages that are struggling in our community and trying to be support and help. We have a group called Feed the Need that's that's helping provide food for folks who are in need. groups, uh, a group called Doors to Freedom that's partnering with a, a local organization that's engaged in, in uh, getting girls out of sex trafficking, um, groups that serve missionaries overseas. Um, we're starting new groups soon. We have one that's going to be starting that's focused on um, special needs families and kind of unique challenges that they experience um, just in life and different things. We have one for an uh, apartment community that's right next to our church, um, it's a great mission field that's right there. And so really the thing that makes them different from 
a small group is just that, that they have a dedicated mission. It's the, the main thing that they do. They, it's the first thing they focus on when they sit down together is, is trying to dream about what would it look like if the gospel made a difference um, in this mission. And uh, it's, it's really exciting. And I, I believe that, um, that one of the great things about it is that when we bring people together, not only around the gospel, but we send people out. Um, with the gospel, that it does this thing, this beautiful thing of, of bringing people closer together um, in community than they would be um, if, if all that we were doing was coming together and, and studying scripture together, but serving together and, uh, and, and taking the gospel out to people together does, does something that really brings and unites people. It's something that you see the Apostle Paul talk about a lot. So. That's an that's incredible concept. So typically what happens in a church, if they're going to do small groups, they, they're going to gather people based upon their uh, age. So it's going to end up being, hey, you're, you're, um, you know, you're a teenager or, hey, you're a, um, a couple with kids or maybe you're an empty nester. And, and so we, we gather them that away. And then we have this common bond of studying the scripture together. And then we call it a day. Uh, it sounds like to me, the common denominator on, on, uh, on how people gather is really more affinity based. It's really more, Hey, I'm interested in serving in this arena or this area or this neighborhood or this, um, entity. Is that typically how people gather, um, in, in the formation of these missional communities? Yeah, 100%. I mean, what we've learned over time is that, um, everybody has a passion about something and a way that they want to see the world become a better place. And that if we can unite people's passions together, um, then um, something really special and beautiful happens. Because whereas you, most churches, you've heard like the kind of 80-20 rule, you have 20% of the people doing, you know, whatever, 80%, 100% of the work. Um, but the cool thing about what we've been able to experience through missional communities is because we're because we're allowing people to be involved and engaged based on the passions that they have is that we've kind of consistently throughout our history um, seen um, just as, as many people or even more people engaged in missional communities than we have even coming on a Sunday morning. Uh, and people are in this and they're serving and um, they're expressing the gospel to people because they're doing it in a way that lines up with the passions that, that God's put in their heart. And so what we do kind of at the beginning of the semester is we do a big missional community fair. It's kind of like a, um, a deal where church that morning is you come and we've got uh, tables set up, booths kind of set up for all of our missional communities. We cast a vision for it, let people go and find out about the different groups and ways that they would want to connect. And so um, people really do get the chance to connect based on that. And one thing that I love about it is, is that I think um, it's a really special thing when I can be in community with someone who's much older than me and with someone who's much younger than me, because there are people that are further along in life that I need to learn from and I need to grow from. And then there are people that I need to invest in. And if we're stuck with people who are at our same stage in life kind of at our same level, I think we missed some opportunities to grow and some opportunities to, uh, to invest in people. So, um, yeah, that's good. So, um, give me a couple of stories of just how you've seen lost people come to know Christ because they've been served, um, let's say by a community and then end up maybe being a part of one of those communities. Yeah, there's so many good stories. We have, we have early, early stories about, 
um, uh, there was a family who started coming to our church um, from a community event um, that we did early on. And we, I remember going and talking to this family and um, connecting with them. And uh, we were just doing a block party, just trying to get people to know who we were. And, um, and so they, they, they uh, came over and I was talking to him and I, I figured out that this guy was like a, he had a computer business, like a tech business. And um, when you're starting a church, you need people like that. And so I kind of pitched it to him and I was like, man, we could use your help. We have this tech team that we're trying to build. And he told me, um, he was like, man, I love what you guys are doing in the community, um, but I don't believe in Jesus and I'm never coming to your church. And I was like, cool, that's awesome. Well, glad you're here. <laughs> Um, but they kept showing up to things that were happening. And, um, and before too long, we were launching missional communities and they found out that we were launching a missional community for a foster boys home uh, in our neighborhood and something that they cared about. And so um, they said, uh, I, we want to come and be a part of that. We want to make a difference. And so they started coming to missional community. And um, the story goes the first, the first week that they were there, uh, they had dinner, they were connecting with people, and then we sat down, they spent time talking about mission and what was happening and what they were going to do for this foster boys home, and they were very engaged, and we transitioned in, into um, in the Bible study, and uh, the leader of the group said, all right, we're going to pray. Everybody bowed their heads and closed their eyes, and after the prayer, they picked up their heads, and this family was gone. They just left. <laughs> they weren't even there anymore. Um, but week after week, they kept coming and um, hearing the gospel. And then one week, they lifted their heads up and they were still there. Um, they stuck around and it gave them a chance to, to experience what God was doing. And, and then um, through that, they eventually started coming to church. Um, and um, it wasn't too long before they got plugged into one of our other groups, which is called a huddle, kind of a really intense discipleship focus group. And it wasn't too long after that, that they gave their lives to Jesus. And we have stories of that in process right now. I have a family in my, in my missional community, which is one that's focused on um, foster care. And they're just a family who cares about foster care. And so because of that, we are kind of the only people in our community engaged in making a difference in that area. And so they wanted to come and be a part of our group. And, uh, and it's messy. I remember the first week that they showed up, like, um, the dad was dropping all kinds of words that you would normally expect to be <laughs> in a small group. Um, but, um, but we just made a place for them. And, uh, I remember when we started doing Bible study that week that, um, they're just kind of looking like uh, deer in headlights, like, what have we gotten ourselves into? Why are we here? Um, but they stuck with it and they keep coming and they keep hearing the gospel and they're beginning to engage in what God is doing. And I remember we were, we were doing a, uh, our group partners with a single parents group to do a big Christmas store for single moms and for foster families. And, um, and so this family um, was there helping us set up one night. And it's a little bit of a story, but um, a kind of cool thing happened. We had been storing all the gifts in this one room it was the office for um, our previous worship pastor, um, but um, someone had closed the door and the door had locked and he moved to Detroit and took the key with him and we couldn't get in. So we couldn't set up all these gifts and uh, we didn't really know what we we're going to do. We we're trying to break in, trying to make things happen. We were calling uh, all kinds of locksmiths to come in and because I had 
about 50 people who were there um, ready to set this big this big thing up and we couldn't get get access to the presence. And so I just stopped and prayed and they were right there. And so I said, let's pray. And so we prayed to God and said, God, we need you to intervene. We need you to do something that only you can do. Um, and uh, we said, amen. And a couple of minutes later, this man walks through the door and he said, hey, I saw somewhere on social media that there was a need for a locksmith. And so he comes in, fiddles with it for about three minutes, opens the door. And, um, and in this office, that's like floor to ceiling. It's like packed with toys for kids. And uh, I told him when he opened the door, I said, Hey, what you just did is a big deal. Like there are going to be hundreds of kids that their Christmas is going to be incredible this year because you just unlocked this door for us. And I told him, thank you. And he turned and looked at me and said, and, and, and again, like I have, I have this family standing right there with me who don't know Jesus. Uh, he turned and looked at me and he said, um, I grew up in foster care and I had no idea that there were people who cared so much that they would do something like this. And he said, I'm just blessed to be able to open the store. Don't worry about paying or anything. Um, we had a good conversation with him and, and they wandered off and, and this family standing there, they're like kind of stunned by this. And I said, hey, I know that you guys don't believe in Jesus. I know that that's something that you're working through and you're wrestling with. I said, but if you need proof that God is real and that he cares, like you just saw it, it's real and had the chance to share the gospel with them. And they haven't taken that step yet, but, um, but it's an ongoing story. And I believe that God is going to do an incredible thing through their lives. And so I just, I feel like missional communities provide us such a great opportunity um, to have people who are far from God, but care about the things that God cares about, um, be able to come and join us and be exposed uh, to the hope of Jesus through what we get the chance to do. It's really a beautiful thing. That's so good, man. That's so rich. You know, I, there's a rise of altruism in the, um, in the, in the world today. Uh, and, um, and people want to do good things. Um, you know, it, it also is a is a is a picture of what the church was supposed to be a, mm-hmm. a, a people that cared and had compassion uh, for other people and to see the kingdom actually come on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, and, and you guys in these missional communities, you you're um, you're you're doing that. And uh, and that's really the new attractive. The, the, the new attractive is not a, a bunch of lights and, and smoke and a nice band uh, to come to for a worship service on a Sunday morning. Mm. Um, the new attractive is a people that cares about other people. And yeah. so in just in the last couple of minutes here, we have um, if somebody wanted to get started in uh, in maybe launching uh, one or two missional communities, uh, what are those two or three things just real quick that you would tell them? Yeah, I'd say one, um, I've talked to a lot of pastors who are like, um, you know, we've, we've been doing Sunday school or we've been doing small groups and I just, I don't know how to like turn the ship and steer the ship in such a big way. And I would just say, you don't have to change everything um, take what you have, take your Sunday school classes and just plug a mission into it. Um, let your groups own, own some kind of mission in your community. And I'd be happy to, to help churches think through that and think about how they can make that happen. But I actually don't think that you have to steer the whole ship in a different direction. I think that we can plug God's mission into whatever we're already doing in, in a meaningful way. Uh, another thing is, and we kind of kind of touched on this, but I would say invite the harvest in with you. Um, 
like the story that I just shared about that family, there's so many people in your community that are far from God, but they care about the things that God cares about. And why would we not want them to come with us and experience Jesus with us, uh, allowing us to share who Jesus is and allowing to expose them to what Jesus is doing, um, just to see how real God is and what God is doing. I think, I think these groups are a great front door for lost people to be exposed to the gospel. And then probably the third thing I would just say, uh, we have a temptation with, with things like this sometimes to kind of drop in and do kind of a big project that's meaningful and then kind of move on or do something once a year. I think consistency is so important because the goal of all of this isn't that we're a nonprofit who's doing cool stuff in the community. The goal is the gospel. Um, and if we want to see people's lives changed, then we have to be building relationships with people and consistency is key to building relationships with people. And so if you're starting some groups like this, focus on and on saying, how, what are, what are things we can do even like once a month where we're, we're, we're having a touch in someone's life or uh, on a mission um, so that we can consistently um, build relationships. And that's been the beautiful thing that we've seen is just the relationships that, that God has, has built with principals and, superintendents and foster families and single family, single parent families, just kind of across the board. Um, we, we've, we've been able to see a lot of trust because we've been able to, to stay connected and stay plugged into people's lives. And it's led um, to lots of people um, trusting us and then trusting Jesus, which is, which is the ultimate goal. So good, Joel. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I, I'm sure there's some listeners out there that may want to get in touch with you. And so, uh, you can obviously go go straight to the Church of Cane Bay's um, website and get that contact information, and and I'm sure Joel will be able to walk through maybe uh, some steps that he's had in getting these birthed and launched and um, and some other success stories uh, along the way. Appreciate you being with us here today, Joel. Been a joy, man. I really appreciate it. Well, until every life is saturated and transformed by the hope of the gospel, advance. Thanks for listening to the Advanced Leadership Podcast from the South Carolina Baptist Convention. This South Carolina Baptist Convention podcast is made possible through the cooperative program giving of South Carolina Baptist churches. For more information, visit scbaptist.org.